Welcome, dear listener, to another episode of Drinking and Screaming, a new podcast we're doing about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And today we're talking about our patron voted on thriller, The Gift. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made a drink that we'd serve to impress our very own stalker. All right, Kelly made the drink this time around. Yeah, it's two times in a row on the main feed of podcast episodes. You guys got to listen to our bonus episode to see what I made last time we recorded. Which either came out before or after this episode that you're listening to right now. Yeah. (laughs) Also, though, our first bonus episode is featured on the International Podcast Month feed, so you can get it for free. You don't even need to be a patron. You don't even need to patronize us. But you will later. It's some good, good stuff in there. Kelly, tell me about this drink. So I had a huge, let's say, mental gymnastics to make this one because we had some gin and I was like, oh, we haven't really had a gin drink yet. And we also keep featuring creme de cassisse as like a accessory, but I wanted to like, I don't know, feature it in a drink so that it could really like shine and be its own drink. Mm. So I figured I would combine the two of those things together. And then I wanted to make it sparkling. So it ended up looking like something that you would give to like, I don't know, your friend coming over in the afternoon for drinks or something where you chat. And then I was like, that's kind of the themes of the movie that they keep having this guy show up. And <laughs> So the idea is that it's a drink that you would serve as like your your fan being nice to somebody. Mm. So it's like, uh, yeah, sure, I'll make you a drink. Here you go. And then you hand them it. Even though in the movie, I think they mostly just drink Gatorade and wine. And I mean, then, it's kind of Gatorade-y. Yeah, a little bit looks it's fruity. Gatorade-y. It's fruity. It is very fruity. I love the amount of orangeness that you get as soon as you put your glass up to your face. Mm, that would be the orange peels. As I tried to make those like really thin orange peels and it did not work out. No, I think you did good. I think I have an orange seed in my drink. <laughs> How would you get a seed? You didn't even cut it. I don't know. It might be the like stem, like the bottom Oh, of yeah. It. That's fair. Anyways. And then, yeah, so I made it and I was like, it's missing something. Also, I put way too much creme de cassis in it. It's very servy. So I pulled back on that and then I put oranges to like, because it did kind of feel tropical or like fruit baskety. <gasps> it's oh. like a fruit salad. <laughs> so this is the second iteration. This is the second try. Yeah. I like to try I like to make mine good after a while and be bad in the beginning. <laughs> it has less alcohol in it, unfortunately. Ugh. But um yeah, you like it? I do. And it's also good it doesn't have too much alcohol because I go to work after we record. Yeah, that's right. We're recording in the afternoon this time. Afternoon drinking. Woo! Woo! Which is perfect because that's exactly what happens in this movie. The man always comes in the middle of the day when he's looking for Simon who works a day job. Why are you going there to find him if he's at work? Sounds nefarious. Hmm. Also, we recently had a party. So we had a full pack of um, the ice that you would buy from a grocery store. So it's also our first drink where I just took a whole handful of crushed ice and put it into a drink. Yeah, crushed ice is cool. We need to get eventually... If we, um, thanks to support from our lovely listeners, we can get one of those canvas bags and one of those little mallets, Ooh. and then we can make our own actual fancy crushed ice that's perfect for cocktails. Or if we get enough patrons, we can buy a new fridge. And has- then it goes... Yeah. Oh! Okay, that's like a lot, though. That's our goal. We're going to put that as one of our goals. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> 
So this is going to be the first time that we actually use creme de cassie from Odd Society, which is one of our sponsors. Yay! We'd been mostly just using them as accessories, so now they actually get a featured drink. Good job. You did it. You finally made it on the list. Woo! And what is this called? What is this cocktail called? Um... I highlighted it in the thing so you would remember to write it down. Uh... <laughs> it's... Stalker Fuel. <laughs> okay. I am a fan. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Perfect. I was scared at first when I saw it because the color and the orange peel in it makes it look like a very, very, very large Negroni. Oh, man, I totally should have done that. And we have the rule that we have to finish the drink. That's true. I did have to finish one of your drinks. So now I'm just giving you ideas. It's mostly <laughs> sparkling water. So yeah, with like a bit of gin and, and creme de cassis. Yeah. Barely alcoholic. And it's, the orange. It does taste very nice. It's for Robin. It's barely alcoholic. Robin is uh, the wife in this movie. But before we get into that, let's do let's do some basic information. What do we watch? We watched The Gift from 2015. It premiered on August 7th, and it's directed by Joel Edgerton, who actually plays the villain in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I got so lots you put of- yourself in your own movie, Ugh. taking away jobs from hardworking actors. <laughs> well, it's, he's actually an actor, and this is his... I'm getting into my fun facts, but he's um, this is his first feature movie. Before you do the, the summary, I do have a question. If you direct and act, do you get paid both as a director and an actor, or do you just get like a flat rate fee? I'm not sure. Because that'd be... He also produces. I think it's in the contract. I think every contract is individual. So you just get like your million of dollars or whatever and then... Yeah. But you can like negotiate depending on how much you bring to the table. That's how much you get paid. Huh. Interesting. And also being the director of your film, I think you'd want it to succeed. So you can do extra, all the extra you can. This episode will discuss themes of stalking and sexual assault, so feel free to skip this one if that's not something you'd like to deal with right now. A young married couple's lives are thrown into a harrowing tailspin when an acquaintance from the husband's past brings mysterious gifts and a horrifying secret to light after more than 20 years. Here's the trailer. In 2006, a Nebraska man killed his former teacher for failing him after cheating on a test 18 years earlier. In 2009, a nurse was accused of administering a fatal dose of a painkiller to a patient. The nurse believed the patient had stolen her high school boyfriend 20 years before. We went to school together. Sorry, I can't place you. Gordon Mosley. Uh, Gordo. Gordo? They can be a gift. That guy's odd. I think he wants to hurt us for something that happened back then. So I was looking at multiple trailers to find which one would be the best. And usually I go with like a teaser trailer or something because there's a lot of space. And this is an audio medium, so we need something that's very concise so that people know what's going on. We're not just listening to some music because this is a podcast, not your iPod. Not your MP3 player. That's what I was going to say. say. It's not your Zoom. (laughs) You're not sitting here listening to your Canadian best of 2000s on your Zoom. Yeah. But so then I'm watching this and the first half of it made me be like, 
Is this not what I thought it was? It looked was? like an A&E drama. Yeah, like a true crime yeah. doc. But then I get what they're doing because they sort of, they give the premise of like, this is a known thing that has happened before of people holding grudges because of what's happened to them in the past and then re-entering lives and destroying them later, which is exactly what happens in this movie. It did like... It, if I saw that, I would think that the rest of the movie is like an A&E drama where it's like every so often some bearded guy standing in an empty room with evidence is like, and then Jason Bateman covered <laughs> up the murder by making it seem like the guy was crazy or something like that. But then seven years later, Robin brought forward new evidence. <laughs> this is Detective Lewis Brown. <laughs> Which is interesting that they went that route, but it is just a feature film. Yeah, it is just like a drama. It's a thriller-rama. It doesn't even say like based on true events or anything. It's a Blumhouse Studio production, and it's definitely the most off the beaten path of true horror that we've gone on this podcast so far. Yeah, it's more of like a sinking thriller. Like nobody even really dies in this one yeah my last one of my points i go into how it is true horror because of what happens to robin because mm-hmm. when i'll get there when i get there my first point is that i really like seeing jason bateman in a serious role whoa and not the quirky dad from arrested development yeah he still has that um i've never seen arrested development but i think of him from like the switch which is a movie with jennifer aniston yeah so he he always still he has the dry humor in this movie too but he's definitely more of a a serious man serious circumstances that are happening he's always like he's almost got like a dad stammer he always sounds like a dad who's like sitting you down to talk to you about life or whatever. And he mm. feels feels a little bit awkward, but then he starts to ramp up a bit as he's talking. <laughs> he feels like he calls people guy a lot. Like, hey, guy, let me tell you about. Ugh, man. Listen, listen here, pal. I, hey, Tiger, let me talk to you about this guy that's trying to kill us. Yeah, I hate that, too. I've been trying uh, more and more to not gender people that I don't know. Like, I work in a box office for a theater, and I always say, like, enjoy the show, ladies. Yeah. And then I'm like, damn it, I don't know them. Are they ladies? Gotta call them all cowards. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy, the sh- enjoy the show, cowards. Yeah. I mean, Friends? Tiger's not gendered. But yeah, at the beginning, like, Jason Bateman seemed like he was still... Being like the fun time husband, he's so cool and makes jokes and stuff like that. Yeah, you even brought up the Aaron Hannon thing from The Office again. I love it when they're all happy at the beginning of the movies. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was like, oh, he's just going to be like the dad from Arrested Development. And then this crazy guy is going to come and sneak into their lives. Yeah, but that brings me to my next point, because holy crap, he is such an asshole. Yeah. Um, I've never, I mean, I'm only 24, so I don't have too much experience with the adult-adult interaction of peers and whatnot, but he's literally, what? Let me tell you about the married heterosexual couples. Nope, (laughs) none of them actually like each other. And it's often a competition to see who can be the most right in any given conversation. Which is just terrible. And that's not how I live my relationships. And I hope that we're still happy when we get older. I'm always right. And you're... Because that's my last name. (sighs) I mean, your parents were married. Weren't they always arguing? (laughs) No, 
Oh, they're happy. They do they do argue, but I would consider them a happy marriage. They're not like this marriage. But like I'm surprised at how far well, I'm not surprised. It's interesting how far they go with Simon being such an asshole. We get like mid- little microaggressions. One thing that really made me mad was uh, when he's going to break up with Gordo, the man who's been stalking them. He makes his wife like go outside. Yeah. Like, wait in the car. Let's give a little bit of context in case you haven't watched the movie. Gordo is a person from Simon's past who's been coming to their house and leaving them presents and, like, wanting to reconnect. They just moved in, so he seems kind of just like a nice guy who's like, hey, you guys need some fish. I'll fill your koi pond. Hey, you mentioned that you like this thing. Here, here's a bottle of wine or something like that. Yeah, and then he invites them to uh, a dinner with another couple at his home and they go there and then they find out that the other couple had just canceled last minute so it's just going to be the two of them and gordo this is like jason's bateman's like last straw and he's like honey go wait in the car i'm gonna like break up with him right now he clearly wants to fuck you and replace me Ugh, so dumb i mean he is a bully they mentioned later on how he was a bully growing up so i think it makes sense that in his relationship he would also be a bully and that's what made it so weird to me was that i feel like people grow out of that. Uh, but clearly not, at least not Simon. I mean, especially successful people who can become successful by being bullies. They yeah. S- it's basically like training an animal. Like you keep giving them positive feedback, then they're going to think that's the right thing to do. So he's an asshole and makes his way to the top of his company. So clearly being an asshole is going to get him places everywhere. Yeah. And that's like, I think that was the worst thing that Simon does in this Besides the big reveal of what he did in the past, which is pretty huge. He ruined (laughs) Gordo's life by telling people that he was gay. Or telling people that he was molested in the back of a car by an older student. Which then led to rumors of him being gay. And then his dad almost killed him and like literally ruined his life because of a stupid lie. Just spiraled. But then in the present day and age, he's up for a big promotion and there's only one other guy on the list that might get it. So he researches him, does a back police background check on him, and then he spreads more lies about this man that are so bad, we don't know what they are, but that he loses not only the promotion, but he loses his full job. Like, ah, oh, how can you be so selfish? I bet he was pooping in the copy machine. <laughs> Pulling a Meredith? Yeah. <laughs> no, that was in the shredder. Oh, yeah, Not you're right. Not the copy machine. Damn it. We're never going to win office trivia with that kind of knowledge. Yeah. Um, I think also the fact, like, in their relationship, she has been, she used to be addicted to drugs, and that he, like, saved her, quote unquote, yeah. by, like, moving and uprooting their lives and changing everything. So I think, in his mind, anything that she does is undermined by the fact that she was ad- addicted already? to drugs. Yeah. So he's more right in their relationship, because she's always going to be wrong, because she was an addict. Which is perfect for him and his shitty ways. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, There's a dog in this movie. There is. And it doesn't die. That's my point. So he does get stolen. Or this is something that's interesting. After Simon breaks up with Gordo about their friendship, he starts to do terrible things to the family. Yeah. Some of them are for sure Gordo, but some of them are left open-ended, like the dog. Did the dog escape and like he's lost because it's a new neighborhood? Or... Did Gordo steal that dog and then later let him back to like mess with the family? And did Gordo kill the fish? I think he did kill the fish, which is really sad because they were so beautiful and they were just living their lives. And also those types of fish are expensive. They're like $200 each. He gave them 
that's like a crazy gift to give. He gave them like eight of them. And then he killed them all. I mean, it's debatable whether they, he killed them. I guess so. Maybe I that believe wasn't that. their natural environment. Maybe Robin and Simon weren't feeding their fish. It's true. Even though Gordo was so nice to buy them fish food. But the fact that they, she like was out on a run and then came back and noticed immediately that they were all dead. That's true. It's definitely they died from something. He they probably w- dumped some poison in there. Yeah. Which I feel like I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt about the dog, but I think he totally took the dog. Probably. It was conniving enough that like he he planned everything, it seemed. Yeah. To like manipulate them into believing like especially for Robin to believe that he's a good guy. Yeah. And for Simon to like look more and more crazy as he's like yelling about this guy who might just be a nice, awkward man. Which makes me think like what's his long term game to literally cuck him? And uh, actually steal Robin? Uh, no, I think his. I think the contents of the movie were his long-term game. Yeah, was to like convince Simon that his new baby is actually Gordo's, whether or not it is. Mm. Well, that's a perfect transition into my last point that I wanted to talk about. Was so the big climax of the movie is that so Robin has a baby and she's at the hospital. And Gordo gives a present to them at their front porch because it's tradition of like. Mom stays in hospital, dad goes home and like deals with things. It's also tradition that Gordo gives them gifts. Yeah, (laughs) many, many presents. So it's like a big uh, car seat. And then he opens it. And then inside the car seat, there's three presents that say one, two, three, like open them in this order. And it's the huge reveal of number one, it was a key to your house. Mm -hmm. Number two, it was an audio recording of that time that he had the dinner party in a stranger's home. And was like... And, and Simon was like, oh, let me have sex with you. Please, pretty please. I have such a tiny dick. Yeah. And then Robin's like, ew, you're so creepy. <laughs> and then number three was a video to watch of him breaking into their home. And uh, he must have done it multiple times because he had to poison the Gatorade that Robin always drinks. Yeah. Because she drank some of it and then she started to walk down a hall and she passes out. And that was revealed earlier in the movie, but that you think that's all it was. And earlier she had done drugs, so you're like, oh, maybe it's associated with that. We don't really know. But then this is the big reveal is that he had planted something in her Gatorade and then he like pulls her onto their bedroom bed set and starts like groping her and he's wearing a monkey mask. So you can't even prove that it's him. Mm -hmm. And also Simon hates monkeys. And then it cuts away before you actually see if, if he did anything. Yeah, he doesn't film himself doing it. Gordo calls Simon and is like, hey, you piece of shit. Like, do you think I actually did it or whatever? And he's like, I'm never going to tell you. It turns out that you can destroy someone's life just making up stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is like supposed to directly reflect what he did when he was a kid. Then we're never actually told whether or not Gordo did it or the baby is his or what. And Simon got fired as his wife was having a baby. And his wife said she, Leaves him, she yeah. doesn't want to live with him. So literally everything in his life has gone to shit now. And I'm just thinking like, do you, so what do you think? Do you think that he did it or not? Because he like, you see him groping her yeah. in the video. So he did like, that's bad enough. Like drugging and groping her means that he's not a good guy and was just using her. But I also, I kind of feel like everything he did was directly focused at Simon and Robin didn't really do anything wrong. So on the one hand, it could be that he didn't actually do it and he knew that they would probably get pregnant eventually and would just use that footage to to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. Or 
in his mind, like using Robin is just a means to an end to fuck over Simon's life. So he's like a bit sociopathic about that. Yeah, I that I was kind of teetering back and forth. But just the fact that he like physically groped her and stuff means because he was all about like punishing the wicked. Yeah. But then she was not the wicked, but he still did that to her. So I think he had like his means to an end didn't really matter. So I feel I'm not sure, but I feel like he did it. I don't know. I keep going back and forth. It depends on my mood, mm-hmm. which is such an interesting point of this film. Like, and it's the second time I've watched it, and I still am not sure. It would be interesting. I mean, it would kind of ruin the suspense of it, but it would be interesting if the director had a kind of. Oh, just you wait till the fun facts. If my he friend. had an idea about it. Oh, <laughs> oh, maybe it is revealed. I see. So I have some points. Yes, tell me, tell me. I didn't have a lot of points that were too relevant because it was it was a well composized that's right composized nice it was a well composized movie but like (laughs) not overly impressive Mm. uh in terms of like cinematography and and stuff like that it just the the pacing of the story is what carried it other than that i feel like it was a pretty standardly directed movie. Yeah. I did like the acting, though. The relationships felt good. Mm-hmm. It felt like one of those Bloomhouse movies that they tried it and it managed to work. So it got like pretty popular. Because mm. I know Bloomhouse just does like shotgun movies and apparently they've directed a bunch of like schlocky crap. Oh, okay. Just to try to... Their whole idea is they want to like support horror directors a right. lot. So they give money to a lot of people to make movies and some of them are just terrible, but some enough of the successful ones feed are the very studio. Success. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Wow, we should contact them. Hey, let us direct a movie. I have ideas. Yeah, give, give <laughs> us some money to make a movie. My one point, uh, or I've got a few points, but my first point is that it's so rare that you have a main character that's like such an asshole that you actually like, enjoy watching their life fall down and like crumble to dust yeah because both the like two main leads aren't good like gordo did a lot of reprehensible shit even though in the end he was on a revenge mission he still was a bad guy and simon was such an asshole that all the things that he was getting you just wanted to see them fall over Mm -hmm. the only good person in the movie was robin and she was completely oblivious to all of the actual things that were going on. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it's just interesting to have a revenge story that you're not rooting for anybody and you just like to watch what happens. Yeah. They could have done that you really root for Robin. Like, she should have had a bigger role, I think. She was almost more the surrogate for the viewer where she was in the in the dark of, like, what happened when they were kids, mm-hmm. just like we were. And then she was figuring it out as she went along. Which I did enjoy that she got to have, like, that was a nice moment of her having some agency and, like, looking through her husband's locked drawer in their home. Like, do you not fucking trust me? I mean, sure, she was snooping. I mean, but- they have guests over a lot. What if one of the guests goes to the bathroom? It's like, ooh, I'm just going to have a little sneaky poo in his desk and see what he's up to. I guess. But that is also like, do you think Norris is going to rummage through our shit and steal crap? I Not steal, but I rummage through his shit once in a while. <laughs> we're also drunk, and then I ask if I can. But also, like, that's like his only level of security. He's like a top-level employee of a security company, and he's got no cameras, no... He's had an alarm system that went off when their glass shattered. But other than that, like, there was no 
camera system, no sort of like uh, motion detectors outside of his house. Yeah. Like he did absolutely nothing to protect his home from what he assumed was a murderous stalker who wanted to replace him. And it kept getting worse. Like even if he didn't have anything to start off with, eventually like once the dog was gone, I think. Yeah. And that's like, like enough. What is it? Like you can message like one of your distributors and be like, hey, I think someone's following us, Stan. Can you send me like a pack of one of our, yeah. our good stuff? You don't have to spend money on it, even though you're probably rich also. But like, oh, yeah. Oh man, his, with that house, they're definitely loaded. His big security system was that one drawer is locked, but then the drawer above it has the key. Yeah, which was a bit dumb. Good job, idiot. But it was fine. It was believable, but it was silly. Or, like, it was stupid of that character, but I feel like it was believable. I think it pulled me out of it to be like, oh, he works in security, but has absolute, or he, like, sells security yeah. systems. Like, mm. specifically, he could have just gotten someone to, especially when you move in, like, hey, we're moving to a new place. Can I get someone to stop by and install something? Yeah, that's true. It seemed a little bit weird, unless it's, like, part of his character that he's so cocky that he's like, no, nothing can touch me. Yeah. Which he kind of is also. I guess. I don't know. It seemed a little bit weird. That's fair. We're going to take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you through the generous support of local distillery Odd Society Spirits, who provided us with the creme de cassis used in this week's cocktail. A limited release that uses a super secret recipe, including black currants grown nearby in Abbotsford, BC. Drinking and Screaming is made possible because of the support of our patrons. Thanks to everyone who is currently a patron. An update for you, I mean, Char wrote this, so there's (laughs) apparently a super secret surprise that I even I don't know about uh, will be coming with your stickers. I read that bad, but you got the gist. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash drink and scream. We have some amazing rewards on there for helping us out, including apparently a big special surprise that I don't know about. Bonus content, super cool stickers, uh, digital drink recipes, and even a cocktail recipe book that we will be printing out at the end of the season. Whoa! Follow us! Instagram and Facebook at drink and scream, Twitter at drink underscore scream. You can email us drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. Make sure to rate us on iTunes so that we can help new listeners find us. It would really help us out. Thank you so much. For Discord, we're going to cozy on up with our partner, Super Hopped Up. So check out bit.ly slash Discord. Now I have a very special treat for y'all. Have you heard of Spoop Hour? It's a lady podcast that's very spoopy and it's an hour long every week. Listen to this promo. Hey, this is Sasha and Courtney from the podcast Spoop Hour. We are a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two certified Halloweenies who laugh through our fear of literally everything. 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 (laughs) You can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour, S-P-O-O-P-H-O-U-R on Instagram and Twitter, or you can reach out to us via email, spoophour at gmail.com, where you can share any creepy happenings that have happened to you or people you know or things that you've heard down the grapevine. Spoop line, am I right, the, ladies? Oh, the spoop line. So come get ghosted with us. Pee your pants because of cryptids. Just have a grand old time. It's fun. 
Uh, my other point is that the actor who played Gordo, which I now know is the director, did such a good job of like skirting the line between like genuinely nice and also maybe something's wrong mm-hmm. kind of thing to the point where I was like, I know people who like this who will be overtly nice, like giving you things and like praising you. And you even brought up, he says like, I'm so proud of you over and over and over. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy for you. This yeah. house is great. I'm so happy. So many times. And it's, it's, it's that like awkward, like, yeah, thanks. Stop. Please stop being nice. It's so nice to me. Yeah. It's like, please gauge how nice I'm being and reflect that. <laughs> Thank you. That would be the nice thing to do. <laughs> and they even had him like bring up religion a little bit, not really preachy, but to be like, I don't want to get super religious, but, and like that level of adding just a hint of religion to it. Also, you often see people like that in, yeah. in like faith-based organizations. But yeah, I thought he did a really good job. Even when like at the very end, when he shows up to Robin's room and he's like bandaged up and stuff. Yep. And she's like, did Simon do this? He's like, I'm just so happy for you. Like, it's such a blessing. Like He did say like, he's crazy. Yeah, something's wrong with Simon. He still kind of seemed nice until that split second, like he shifts when he calls Simon and he's like, listen, you jackass, I've been doing this the whole time. And he's like, entire demeanor goes more confident and he's able to get a sentence out without seeming weird and still so but so calm yeah that was it was so methodical uh uh-huh that was such a satisfying moment too just like him reflecting all of simon's shittiness back to him because simon used the when he was breaking up with gordo yeah gordo like tried to interrupt him and he's like don't interrupt me let me just power through this and then i'll let you talk after and gordo uses that against him on the call Mm. Mm. It was yep. just it was just such a good finisher to it. If nothing else, if Gordo hadn't done any of the actual legitimate crimes of like stop stalking Robin and and drugging her and stuff, it would be like he's the good guy and the yeah. big reveal is like, "Oh man, Gordo got it. Got it. He won." So excited. Yep. But yep. you're still left with the fact that he's a kind of a crazy person, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I I agree. My other point is that I thought it was a little bit weird that they added like the drug addiction thing. I know that it was supposed yeah. to like tear her character down a bit and make you make you question her, I guess. Or like it's a reason as to why like it's supposed to make Simon not trust her so much and like make us empathize a bit more with Simon's not trusting her. Yeah, like he's trying his he's really trying his best to trust her, but she's proven that she can't be trusted kind of yeah. thing. It's also like a base setter. Like a lot of horror movies start with, we're moving to a new house because a baby died. The bad thing that we're talking happened. about. Which, that did happen. That's true. A baby did die. She did have a miscarriage. Um, which but, is what sent her, I think, into her drug addiction. Yeah. Which is why it doesn't really make, like, sure, drug addiction is bad, but I don't think I would really blame my partner if they had something that traumatic to them happen and then they spiral out of control for a little bit. Yeah, and then the whole Gordo thing is sending her back into it. But it was, like, thematically it was used weird in the sense that, like, I don't know if it came off weird because it was used for too many plot reasons or what, but, like, there were points when she was wandering around the house hearing things and you're kind of wondering, like, is is she high or is Gordo actually there? Yeah, and they never show you her actually taking it except for one time. Yeah. And she only took one pill, and we don't know what they were, and it was just weird. She says that they were, like sleep aids or something like that's that. that's what she says yeah yeah like the her passing out you're like was she 
using the drugs after her run or what? Yeah. It felt like one of those movies where think it's just a it's just what people would do in life kind of thing where it wasn't solidly placed in plot contrivance. It was right. more for like character building. But I didn't think it really helped her care. It didn't give an, an interesting facet to her character. Like once she's discovered by Simon, the whole drug addiction thing goes away forever. Yeah. Once Simon calls her out and the whole montage of her leading up to her pregnancy happens, like not once does using drugs ever come up again. And I think that she was already, it was already interesting enough to find out that, like, because there was the, uh, she had a miscarriage and, oh, she doesn't drink. And then even just to have it stated, like, you've been an addict in the past, is it happening now? Yeah. And having that be, like, another sliver between them as in a relationship of her be like, no. Yeah, she could fight back and be like, no, it's not like that. It's not like last time or whatever. And yeah. And be like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. I feel like that would have been stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just kind of weird. Even just leaving it with, like, she had a miscarriage and had a break, like, a mental breakdown would have been. Some- yeah. Would have been something. But yeah. But, yeah, it was weird. My final, final point is when Simon goes up to the room where Robin and the baby are hanging out because Simon needs to check if the eyes look like his and the baby was like squinting at him. I just wanted a heart. I wanted like a like a joke style ending where the baby just flips Simon off. (laughs) And then it goes. Yeah. And then the (laughs) the credits start rolling. That would have been great. Because we've seen horror movies like that before. I think Creep did that, where it kind of was like a joke ending sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, don't reveal too much. That's on our, our list this season. Ooh, sweet. Spoilers for our listeners. I mean, <laughs> whatever. There's horror movies out there with joke endings. Like, Cabin in the Woods has sort of a joke ending. Yeah. I just like when movies are super... Especially this one. The, 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 the juxtaposition of, like, super drama ending with, like, a joke yeah. ending would have been... Would have been great. I feel like I wouldn't have liked it. I'm like, I could feel your happiness while you're saying it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm agree with you. But then if it actually happened like that, I'd be like, what the hell? They just ruined it. You're such a purist. Yeah. I like mu- I like <laughs> movies to be a medium for entertainment. Yeah, I want to be entertained. I didn't want to see a stoner comedy. I wanted to see it's a thriller. A stone- you use that so bad. <laughs> I hate stoner comedy. It's like late night comedy. It's not stoner comedy. Okay. Like SNL. Eh, no. <laughs> I mean, SNL gets pretty down. Are you ready for some fun facts? No, actually. This is the first time where I'm not prepared. <gasps> I didn't what, what can I do to help you with this, uh, this big reveal? Wait for the beeping outside to stop. I'd like to take this moment to point out that Buddy has been curled up next to me and sleeping this whole time. Yeah, it's been great. Okay, now I'm ready. This is why we don't record in the afternoon, because the wheels of industry are still running. Ugh. All right, so for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time or just love to hear this story every episode, uh, we have a tradition in our family of every time we watch a horror movie or a thriller movie, uh, afterwards we snuggle up on the couch, snuggle up in under the covers, and we read fun facts that we can find on the internet to each other about the movie. Mm-hmm. So this film I kind of knew more about. I had watched it before, so it was my duty to do the fun fact gathering. Without further ado, here are our fun facts. Number one. 
The project was announced in August 2012 when it was reported that Joel Edgerton had written a psychological thriller script titled Weirdo. Nice. With which Edgerton would also be making his directing debut. So he wrote it, directed it, produced it, starred in it. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of work. But yeah, they called it Weirdo. Which was the nickname that Gordo had in school. Yeah. And the only reason, I didn't put this in the fun facts, but the reason that they changed it was they had sold, the movie itself was finished, but then another production company bought it to actually release it. And Not Bloomhouse? Uh, Bloomhouse, yeah. Oh, okay. but uh, And something else. It was like a team of people, a team of different production companies had worked on it. Uh, but then they decided to rename it The Gift because it would be easier for marketing, which I... They didn't go further into detail as to why, and I, I'm sort of confused by that, but it's interesting. They, maybe they could have also sold it as like a supernatural thing where someone got a supernatural gift. Ooh. Or like names with the at the beginning are easier. I don't know. Yeah. I know there are more movies called The Gift, which in a way made me be like, why did you want it to be that? Yeah. Unless that does help with like SEO and stuff. Maybe it's also good for like translating it to other languages. Like weirdo maybe doesn't translate well. That's true. I don't know. I don't know. I'm no producer. Yeah. But uh, still interesting. So his inspirations for the screenplay included Alfred Hitchcock's Fatal Attraction and Michael Hankey's 2005 French film Cachet, which means hidden, as well as Park Chang-wook's Vengeance Trilogy. I've never seen Vengeance Trilogy. Have you? Uh, Yep. Ah. I've, well, I've seen Old Boy and I've seen uh, Vengeance for, wait, Lady Vengeance? I've seen one of the Ladies or Mr. Vengeance ones. I don't remember which one it is now. It's been a while. All right. But we should watch that. Old Boy is a classic. Cool. If you watch nothing else, I would suggest watching Old Boy. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Not the American one. Okay. Where they made a remake that was uh, awful. They made it with Thanos. <laughs> I think it's got Thanos in it, which is... Which, yeah, I mean, he's a good actor, but it wasn't a good movie. Okay. Fatal Attraction is cool. And hearing that that's an inspiration for the film is, it makes me think more that maybe Gordo was really into her. Mm. I think Fatal Attraction also got a remake. Oh, yeah. That's been made multiple times. There's a Beyonce movie called Obsessed. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. I've seen that. That's basically is Fatal that the, Attraction. Is that, it's got Idris Elba in it, right? Yep. Sick. It's a really good film, actually. I like it. Well... I won't say it's like amazing. It's like a good fun watch. Yeah. It's like Shakespeare. They remake Fatal Attraction every two years. <laughs> In an interview with, Col uh, what does that say? Collider? In an interview, Edgerton with Collider. <laughs> I'm like, who is that though? So, in an interview, uh, Edgerton revealed that he did not start filming his acting role until two weeks into shooting, devoting that time instead solely to directing. As soon as he did, his older brother Nash assisted on set behind the camera. So oh. they had like an extra director to help with like how things were looking and stuff on film. Yeah, that makes sense. I would assume you'd want to set up like a common language for the the whole crew. Yeah. As your your vision. And then once like enough people understand it and someone else can take it over, then you would feel comfortable being in front of the camera. He completed shooting his role as Gordo in just seven days. Nice. Which is interesting because he's in it a lot yeah and i knew this fact before watching it the second time so i took i tried to like really notice 
how much there was of him not in it. And there's still like the dinner party scene, a lot of Simon and uh, Robin discussing him and stuff without him actually being there. But think of all the locations that he had to yeah, be on. They're very far apart. Like there's two separate clothing stores, or I guess one was a furniture store. There's at their house, at the other Stranger house, house yeah. in a parking lot, like getting the crew out to each of those locations. At trivia. At trivia. In the bar. Which was probably a different location from the parking lot. Yeah. Like getting the crew, the cast and crew out there in just And seven the hospital. Days. And the hospital. Jesus. Yeah. That's a lot. Yep. Maybe uh, it was like seven days over a span of time. That would make more sense. Uh, maybe. But the other fact had said that he only started doing his stuff after two weeks of shooting. Although it could still be spread out afterwards. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one. The gift grossed $43.8 million in North America alone and $15.2 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $59 million, and their budget was only $5 million. Wow. So they made quite a bit of money. Quite a good chunk of change. Holy crap. I wonder if he's done... I mean, he probably has, but I wonder what his other movies have been since then. Yeah. Like, coasting on the, on the success of this. Yeah. Have you seen Blue Velvet? I've seen clips of Blue Velvet. It was Oh, that did, doesn't count. We did some scenes for it in film class. Okay. I watched it in a film class, uh, which I had never heard of it before, and I never would have. Huh? You've never heard of a film class before? No, the movie. <laughs> the movie, Blue Velvet. So there's a reference to the film Blue Velvet. In the film, he says, Heineken, fuck that shit. Pabst Blue Ribbon. And so in this movie, Jason Bateman... When he's talking with one of his yeah. business associates in their house, he empties out two bottles of Heineken and then he opens Pabst Blue to drink at the table. Nice. So I thought that was cool. Um, the only thing I know about Blue Velvet, other than a couple of the scenes that I saw, is that you get to see Kyle MacLachlan's butt. Ooh. Which I. But, but, but. Which is almost worth watching the entire movie just for that. Yeah. Another reference that they have to another classic is uh when robin's in the hospital she stays in room 237 does that <gasps> ring a bell to you <gasps> no a reference to the shining oh yeah room 237 and now we get into the alternate ending that uh shows the true oh the baby does flip him off <laughs> sick so in the alternate ending which i haven't actually seen but i've read about gordo didn't rape Robin. Instead, Gordo allows Simon to believe that he did, thus ruining his life the same way Simon ruined his. That's good. Because then in the, in Simon's lie about Gordo, it never actually happened, but it was enough to ruin his life. So it would be poetic justice to not actually do it and then lie and say that it did happen to ruin Simon's life. Yeah. They were probably going to get pregnant anyways. And even if... Because they've been trying. Yeah. And even if she didn't get pregnant, if you just showed him that video... It would still be enough to like freak him out enough, mm -hmm. I would say. But still, that video is very terrible. Yeah. And very sad. It makes me have the goosebumps. Yuck. Uh, last fun fact Gift in German means poison, which I thought was a fitting title since the gifts in this movie become the poison that kills the marriage. And that's what I put in this drink. <gasps> <coughs> We both died because we both drank the drink. Oh, right. <laughs> you didn't do the fun death sound, though. So I was waiting for you to say something. I, mine was a silent death. Ah, like, I have bad lungs, so I always cough. Mine was the little death. <laughs> that means orgasm. 
for those of you who don't know. Ah. Heck yeah. All right, are we ready for some uh, final thoughts? Yeah. Okay. I guess I'll go first. I know this isn't really a horror movie. It's more of a slow burn thriller, but the ideas and themes present in this film are absolutely horrifying to me. Like the ending is so... Ah, like he go even the whole presence of this movie. He's creeping in and out of their home while they're in it, changing shit around, <laughs> making noises, making uh, Robin feel like she's going crazy. He steals their dog, yeah, meanie. He kills their fish, and then he like, the cream of the crop is that he like sexually assaults her. Mm-hmm. Like that's exactly what it is. There's no downplaying it. Yeah, Ugh. definitely. And it's just, uh, uh, this is like your ultimate horror. It is. I hate it. It's about humans doing things. It's so scary. And then, but I guess the last thing I really want to talk about is that I wish Robin had more of a role in this because she was kind of reduced entirely to Simon's trophy wife and object. Mm -hmm. She had her own story with the her visiting the neighbors and like you find out that she went through the miscarriage and stuff, which doesn't seem to affect Simon at all. No, he more so I mean, is like, let's make sure this doesn't happen again for you. And like, he's a sociopath that says the right things to make her feel like she's cared for. Yeah, and he like treats her like trash. So I'm glad that she leaves him in the end. She does have her own goals, though. She like the baby might just seem like. Oh, that's such a thing to write for a woman is that she mm-hmm. used to get pregnant. But like her goals were to have a baby. Like she wanted. Yeah, she wanted a family. It wasn't just that she was like, I'm a woman. I need to have a baby. Like having a baby was her goal. Yeah, but it was more, I think, not that she is a bad character, but it's unfortunate that her character, like her character's life is Simon's like, yeah, I want to have a baby with you. But like, I don't really care Yeah, about I- either you or the baby. I almost wish there were scenes after Simon had like broken up with Gordo of her like hanging out with Gordo just because she wanted to be friends with him. Yeah, because she liked him. She said multiple times that when uh, Simon was shitting on him that he was was cool cool, and like, yeah. Like make her a little bit more rebellious, I guess, and be like, no, like Simon never did anything to me. Like he seems like a fine person. I want to go have drinks with him or something like that. Yeah, which then also like the last part of my final thought is that it's weird that Gordo flips like 180 degrees on his idea of like only punish the malicious because he did the like most unspeakable thing to her or maybe did. Even if it's not all the way, he still did something so bad yeah. to someone that was so nice to him, so, which then means that he was so focused on achieving his goal that he thinks of her as like an object, like a throwaway thing. Or in the recording of her saying, no, you're weird. He took that as like her being a dick to her. Yeah, but it was such a small thing. Or he thinks that maybe she let Simon be mean or something. I don't know. I guess. Maybe he did the same thing that this movie did and just saw her as an object. Yeah. And he's like, oh, she's just part of Simon's arsenal. Gotta destroy her. Gotta destroy her. What are your final thoughts, my love? Uh, so I think since this is like a such a far reach from all the other movies, I think it'll probably be one of the first ones where it's like, it's human, so Kelly's not afraid, mm. which is definitely what it was. Like, it was such a un, unadulterated human horror that I was not really that scared. Even when there were like jump scares and stuff like that, the way that it was filmed and the way that the pacing was, I was like, there's going to be a jump scare now. Like when the and- dog came back, I was like, there's yeah. going to be a jump scare, right? 
now. And then the dog jumps up. Yeah. There were only two, though, which is interesting that and they were so close together. Yeah, it was and like the, the jump scare of the-, of the dog and then the jump scare of like her wiping the dog from the the shower. Yeah, when and, she was dreaming. And then fake Gordo pops up. Yeah. Yeah, which was a little bit strange. I guess it was supposed to be when she was all high, maybe. Or like just stressed. Yeah. The stress is getting to them. But yeah, just the idea of that. It's like, well, Gordo is a human. Why not just stab him? And then he will die. <laughs> Whereas if Gordo was an evil, malicious ghost, it's like, Gordo is a ghost. I cannot do anything to him. True. I can see I can see that. And For like, me, all the dumb thing, like well, set up the fucking security system. You want to yeah. catch this guy doing something shady? <laughs> Have a camera, idiot. Like he's a human. He's not invisible when he's stalking you. He's sitting in the fucking trees. Yeah. I find it interesting because I'm like, ghosts aren't real. So like, I can't even be afraid of this when I see it happening. I'm afraid of the unknown, the horrors of the things that the ghosts could do because they do not uh, adhere to human laws of physics. Even if you try to fight back, though, what they can do so much to you, humans. Humans? Yeah. You'd kick their legs out and they fall down. Not if they're strong. You throw a chair at them and they get st- they stumble and they're like, oh no, a chair hit me in the face. You throw a chair at a demon and it like snaps its back and rolls on the floor and then flips around and grabs you. Humans cannot do that unless they are contortionists, in which case they're basically demons. Ah. But I don't know. Also like, so they kill me. So a human kill me and I'm dead. That that's the end of the story. The move, the credits roll. Well, a ghost kills ghost me. Happens too, yeah. No, a ghost kills me, and I get sent to another dimension where I'm tortured for the rest of my existence. Mm. You don't know what ghosts do when they kill you. Sure. Maybe they don't kill you. Nothing Maybe they, happens after you die. No. The this credits is getting very existential. The credits roll. <laughs> a demon kill me. I'm a demon now, or something. It's it's ah. scary. Human stab me. I die. Don't talk about stabbing. <laughs> Which is, I that is, though, I like that nobody dies in this movie and he's, his motivations aren't to kill Simon. It's to utterly and like irreversibly ruin his life. Which would have been more terrifying if Simon wasn't such a jackass. Simon had it coming. So. He I, had it coming. I wasn't sitting there like, what if Gordo did this to me? I'm like, well, I, I, didn't, I wasn't a fucking asshole to a kid in school. So <laughs> probably he won't, though. Anyways, that's oh. my final thought is I was not scared and did not did not relate to this thriller movie at all. That's fair. But you did say you really liked it. Yeah, it was after we had watched yeah, it. Yeah, it was a good movie. Not scary. That's okay. There were no demons in it. Yeah, but still good. Well, that's been the gift. Movie about terrible human stalkers, terrible asshole bullies, and the best way to make your wife break up with you. <laughs> Next week, we'll be watching It Follows, which is, I'm glad I put it after it's this one. It's demons and stuff. Because it's right after something Kelly isn't scared of. Now he'll be the spooked one, and I'll be the one that's all brave. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah!